We're still alive. We're still here. Jesus is still on the throne. Amen. So we're just dealing with challenges with all of that right now. But, uh, but wasn't the view beautiful coming to church this Amen. morning? Yeah, it was excellent. I was, I mean, you I was looking at you. Oh, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> hey. <laughs> there was a day you appreciated that. I still do. Uh, I still do. So we started a series um, on relationships, and... We have uh, really enjoyed this. Now, last week we had to do a little bit of a change up, but we want to let you know both of the lambs are doing awesome and they're healthy and they're, um, they're we... growing. And I'll tell you, I understand now why I don't have babies <laughs> at this age. Um, yeah, so I was up all night, uh, well, every two hours, uh, making sure that he was okay and bottle feeding him. And then we had to reintroduce him to his mother. And that was a two to three day process and had to pin her against the wall for about two days to make sure that she was letting him eat. But he's growing now and he's jumping and playing along with his sister. So it's exciting. Farm life. Yeah. Amen. It's fun. It's definitely fun. So I'm going to have to use these because my <gasps> stuff has crashed out. There we go. Because you don't have internet. Right. So we'll be okay though. So this, we started with this in the first part, we talked about First comes love, and we talked about what real love is in a marriage relationship, or real love is in a relationship, and um, it, uh, you know, how that we develop that love and that commitment to each other. Um, if we're going to go any further in that, uh, that should all be decided before marriage. All right, that we're that we're committed to each other, no matter what. Then we talk about then comes marriage and some of the challenges that uh, that come out of that. We talked about. Uh, some things that we have to work on uh, in our relationships before we get married. One is trust. You know, the things that have not, where we're having issues with trust, we have to work on agreement, coming into agreement. We talked about the basics with that. Things you have to agree on. Money should be a big one. Um, we tell everybody they should go through Dave Ramsey's program uh, on financial peace. It'll save you a lot of headaches. If you have not done that, you can actually go online and go through it online. Yeah. If you're interested in doing it as a group, just let me know. I mean, I'm not going to do it just for one person because you can do that online. But it's, it's I mean, if back in the day, I used to think, wow, $100 and these are people that are struggling financially, but this is the thing. If you start out with a budget right away and your biggest budget is your grocery bill, you'll yeah. have that $100 in no time. Right. And so, but it's, it's, a real, it's awesome information. It's great habits. It's um, actually, we have our granddaughter going through it right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she's learning a lot. She's getting ready to go to college in a couple years. And so I said, so what are you learning? She says, not to take out loans, and I said, exactly, yes. don't do that. So Yeah, so we talk about agreement, and uh, one of the others was uh, in-laws, how they're going to play a role in your life, and uh, my mother-in-law watched the program. I knew she would, and, and she said, great job. I'm proud of you guys, so I'm off the hook. Praise the Lord. But, you know, it's, it's things that we have to decide, and then about kids and about how we're going to discipline, and all those are things really that we shouldn't wait to work out. We should work those things out before we, before we make any kind of commitments, any kind of lasting commitments uh, to each other. And I think also agreement on spiritual stuff is important, that how we look at 
how we look at God. I know sometimes we have stuff that goes on within the church called missionary dating where we're just sort of like, I'm going to date this person and get them saved and right with God. But typically what ends up happening is people will default back to what they believed before. So um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's kind of a crapshoot with that, but you just have to, you, you know, it really is good to talk about spiritual things before you get married that you're kind of on the same page because uh, if the spiritual part is a big part of your life, then you're going to want it to be a big part of their life too. And so that needs to be talked about. Um, you're not going to believe all the, you know, Sharon and I were on different levels spiritually when we got married, obviously. Uh, but, um, you know, the way that we looked at things, her backgrounds were a lot different than mine were. And, uh, but we did have to come to an agreement on how we were going to do that. And then understanding, having understanding for each other that we are being compassionate with each other and realize that we're all in different stages in our relationship with God and our walk in life and the things that we're dealing with. And then and we're, and we're bringing and we're bringing past things with us. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care who you are, redeemed or not, you're still going to bring past things with you. Yes. And so how, how do you deal with that? How do I deal with, you know, okay, he's just lied to me. But yet, past relationships or parents that lied to me or parents that rejected me or friendships or whatever, you know, whatever has happened that has formed my life along these ways, I'm bringing all of that with, with and we're going to talk about that in a little bit about the three chord. Um, I'm bringing all of that with me. And so he, he has to come into an understanding, not that that's okay, that I act that way. Right. But... He has to understand where I am, one, so that he can pray for me, and two, so that he can help not push me through it, but help guide me into where God wants me to be. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than, than some, and somebody else telling you what you should or should not be doing. Yeah. And that's not, that's not my place to do that. We really had to work on, that was really a tough thing for me because Sharon would like talk about stuff that she was having problems with. And my solution was to fix it. And so she would be like, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm going to fix this. And she said, well, I didn't tell you this because I wanted you to fix it. So in understanding, you have to understand that sometimes it's just your spouse just wants to talk about stuff. They don't want you to do... I see some of you ladies nodding your head, so you're like, and those who aren't are, are inside nodding your head. But, but you know, that's a challenge for, for us because somebody shares something that they're struggling with. We're like, okay, I'll take care of it because we love the person, so we want to fix it. So understanding in our relationship how that we respond to things, we have to really work through that. I think the one other thing just to mention is, is that we really have to talk about what are our core things that we believe, that we that are our values in life. Sharon and I talk about how that integrity is a big one for us, that that's a core value. Growth is a big value for me, that I always have to be growing. I can't, um, you know, I've had that embedded into my thinking that you're either green or growing or ripe and rotten. I don't want to be ripe and rotten. Um, so I'm always learning, always growing, always developing, always studying. That's big I'm always working on our marriage relationship. Um, I never really, I never really want to, I, I, I struggle with just settling that it's as good as it's going to get. I don't believe that. Um, I think that it can be better. I think I can do better. I think 
Um, right. Yeah. And the thing with core values is that it's not just in our marriage relationship. It goes across all relationships with us. Yes. You know, so when, when we talk about, in, for me, integrity as a core value, that's across the board with all of my relationships. Trust is, a, trust is across the board in all of my relationships. So if, if, if I can't trust you, if you've lied to me, mm-hmm. or if you're shady with me, I, you know, that's, that's, gonna, that's, that's a core value. I, you know, I have to decide then, is this worth it to keep investing into that relationship? Right. And so that's why we settle that ahead of time. Now, we didn't know this ahead of time, but over the years, we've developed those and we've looked at those. And so, yeah, core values are so important to know and then so important to carry those on into your, into your relationship. Those are our non-compromising things, things we won't compromise on, okay? So there are things we come into the relationship, we say, this is a, this is a, we've got it, we have to have this, okay? So... Let me read a couple passages to you that, that I think are pretty cool but that talk about relationships. One is out of Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, which is one of my favorites, and it says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Now, this isn't necessarily talking about a marriage relationship, but we're going to use it in that context. Um, Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And then it's interesting in the passage because it goes from talking about two to talking about a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, if you've ever seen us do our marriage ceremony, what we do in that, and I, it was funny because we have people that have kept their cords. We, we do this thing with cords. And one is that the, the woman wears a pink cord, the man wears a blue cord, and then the preacher, he has a red cord, which represents the blood of Jesus. And so when we come together, what we do is the, the woman gives her pink cord to the guy, and the, the guy gives, her blue, gives his blue cord to the woman. They put them together, and then the pastor, because they come into agreement, or the minister, he puts in the scarlet red cord, which represents the blood of Christ. And then he ties a knot in it. And I, I was, there are people that I heard from this last week, because we posted this online earlier, that uh, still keep those cords, still have them around and, uh, and, use, and, and make them a part of their, you know, want the, they're part of their life. Yeah, they just, they remember that. And it is, it's such a powerful thing. But the one thing that we say when we come together, that agreement, the pink and the blue cord, is, is that, look, for God, God comes into the midst of this, so past sins are out of the picture, okay? Uh, past relationships are out of the picture. All those things need to be buried, left behind under the blood of Christ. Right. Amen. Yes. Uh, because it's, it's a threefold court. So God's math is one plus one equals three. All right? It's old math, really. It's, Not new math, but yeah. it's old math. So. But, you know, when you look at the scriptures, you see where when there was agreement, how that God got involved in the agreement. And uh, he said, in fact, in the New Testament, he said, where two or three agree together, there I am in the midst of them. So God comes into that atmosphere of agreement uh, between people. And so when a husband and wife, they make those agreements, then uh, God comes in the midst of it. Genesis 2.18 says this out of the Amplified Version. Now the Lord God said, It is not good or sufficient or satisfactory 
that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper, meant, suitable, adapted, and complementary for him. And I love that out of the Amplified Version. Uh, I want you to just, say, as, as you look at that, the word helper, it, it is really about that he's making someone that's face-to-face to us. And so for men and women, you know, we're in a face-to-face relationship. And so there is, a, there, there is an element of agreement, but there's an element of confrontation as well to those agreements. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm thinking about the scripture that says iron sharpens iron. So friendship sharpens friendship. Um, so, you know, it's hard for me to talk to him when his back is turned to me. Especially the older you get, it's harder for him to hear yeah. when his back is turned to me. Yes. This is the older crowd, right? They understand right. that. Yeah. But, you know, so it's hard, it's hard for it, or it's hard for him to talk to me when my back is turned to him, you know, for us to have a good conversation, for us to communicate. So we have to, we have to be face to face. We have to look, look each other in the eye. Yeah. I have to look at him in the eye so that he can see, are you just telling me that or are you, are you truthful about that? Not that I'm lying, but am I just saying what he wants to hear? Yeah. And and to save to save the to save argument, sometimes I'll just say what he wants to hear. So just so that we can get on to the next thing, or get on, or just let's just get past this. Okay, fine, you win. Yes. You know, because that's what it's all about, right, men? Yeah. It's about winning. Yeah. Oh, you guys are just. You guys are just wonderful. What do you win? Yeah. yeah really, that's a great question. <laughs> You, you got a to, point, yeah. Yeah, in any relationship, you have to train yourself to listen. Yeah. And you just have to. And that's a discipline. You have to. And how do you listen? Right. Let's talk about that for a second. How do you listen? Am I listening, listening to hear so that I can jump in now with the next thing I have to say? Or am I listening to hear, to, in, a, in, my, in my head, I'm forming my conversation for, to respond back? Yeah. Or am I truly listening to hear the heart of yeah. what you're saying? Right. Because so, there's different ways that there's different ways that we listen. So we were talking about this a little bit yesterday. Sharon and I were, and this is a this is a maybe a little bit of a paradigm shift. But have you ever been in a conversation and you're talking with someone and they're talking so much that you can't? You're trying to get. You're trying to think of how to break in to get the conversation under control like and you keep trying to break in and you keep trying and and really what you have to recognize with that is is that you're trying to get control of what's happening or what of what's being said so you can say something let me let me just give you a little paradigm shift when you're listening you are in control Ooh, that's that's a thought yeah you are in control so because, because they're trying to convince you of what's going on, so you, you're sitting in the seat. Listen to what they're saying. Let them finish. Why do you need to say anything? Pastor, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. You don't need to say. Tough crowd this morning, Yeah, it? that's all right. Well, they're thinking. I know. Okay, they're listening. So let me tell you a bad joke, okay? I, I, I'm great at telling bad jokes. God saw that man was not complete. So he brought the woman to him and said, now you're finished. I told you it was a bad joke. I didn't say it was a good joke. 
I tell I tell Sharon these jokes, she just looks at me like, don't don't tell that. I can't help myself. I can't. So, but but when you're in those conversations with people, you know, quit trying to see. I think the worst thing, and Sharon and I've done this. You know, one of us is talking, the other one is trying to think of what they want to say. Don't even think it. Listen to what they're saying. Don't worry about what you need to say, because what. That really speaks to our identity that we're just like, I feel like I have to tell you how I feel about it. Just listen. Listen to what they're saying. Because what I found as a man, I a lot of times respond to the wrong thing that's being said. I, I'm like, oh, okay. So this insurance says, that isn't what I said at all. Any of you guys understand that at all? That's, so I, the best thing I could do is just be quiet Listen to what she's saying. I'm in control, so that's cool, <laughs> right? Yes, I'm, I, I'm in control, right? <laughs> so, but, but that's part of that communication process. And I just think it's, it's terrible when you get into a situation where, you know, we're trying to keep interrupting each other, keep cutting in on each other. Just let them, let them say what they need to say. It's okay. We have all our life, yes. all right? And we can work through it. And so let him finish out. So I've just learned with Sharon that if there's something that she's talking about, I need to just let her talk it out, listen to what she's saying. And I'm going to tell you, I was horrible at this. So I would interrupt her and I would say, well, here's what you need. to." That isn't what she asked me to do. Okay. I'm, th- I'm thinking like a guy. I'm not thinking like a girl. I can't think like a girl, but I can understand how girls think. Come back think. to that understanding. And yes. Yeah, so it comes back to that understanding. So in this great union that we have together, God wants us to work together and think. So what we have to do on our part is to understand that God has entered into a covenant with us, not a contract of marriage with us, okay? And this is huge. And, and if you don't get anything else... Just forget the bad joke I told, okay? And I want you to think about a covenant is is when two people come together and they are all in in this covenant agreement. It's not a contract. You know, a contract is by stipulation. A contract is you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, and I'll do this, and I'll do this, and I'll do that. And if you breach the contract, then the contract's over with. Okay? And you can walk away. Right. God gets involved with us, and what he calls us to is a covenant. A covenant is intended by God to be a lifelong, fruitful relationship between a man and a woman. Till death do us part. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now you say, well, pastor, I've been divorced. Well, let's not focus on any of all of that. Okay, let's focus on where we are right now. Okay, what relationship you're in right now. So marriage is a vow to God and to each other, our families, our community, uh, our community to remain steadfast in unconditional love, reconciliation, and sexual purity while purposefully growing in our covenant marriage relationship, okay? And I, I like that because it says, you know, it's not just that, okay, so August the 8th, 1981, we, made, we came into covenant with one another. Right. But we didn't stop. No. Our covenant has increased. So it's purposely growing in our covenant relationship with yeah. one another. Just because we got married on that date doesn't mean that was the that was 
It was the beginning of the covenant. Yes. It was not the end of the covenant. No. Right. So everything that, that I brought to the table on that day and everything that you brought to the table on that day, that wasn't it. Yeah. There was more to come. Yeah. So it, it's a growing covenant. And it goes back to that whole idea that we talked about the difference between love and like. I have not always liked Sharon, but I have always loved her. I mean, there are days that, look, we, I mean, we had issues. We, crazy, I mean, yelling and carrying on and just, or, we're not. Or not yelling. <laughs> right, or silence and go to separate rooms in the house kind of a deal. A uh, few times slept in separate beds. So it does happen. It, it, we're not proud of that, but it is, if you're in a covenant, you don't bail when things are bad. When you're in a covenant, you're like, okay, we made this honorable commitment to each other. And remember, the, for most of us, not all of us, but for most of us, we practiced the ancient ritual of marriage, which was two people coming together, making vows to each other publicly in front of their friends and family with a man or woman of God present to bear witness to what was happening, okay? So... The marriage ceremony is just a reflection of that ongoing covenant relationship that we have whenever we're making that kind of a, a commitment. The, the pastor is representing God in that particular covenant, that God is in the midst of that. He's the one that says, what God has joined, or she says, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Don't let a man divide this up. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't have opportunities for it to, to split, okay, that just because you say all of that doesn't mean it's all going to fly right through. You're going to have challenges, but your covenant is what you always come back to. Now, I want you to think about the Israelites, okay? The Israelites, and we're familiar with this. We're now into the, the Passover season. You have the Israelites who every year God tells them to go through the Passover meal, right? Why does he tell them to do that? Because he wants them to remember the covenant that he made with them to bring them out of Egypt. So every year, they go through the whole thing. They talk about the whole process. You know, they have certain things that they say in that, in that ceremony. It is very specific. You know, the children would say, why is this night different than any other night? And they would say, because it's on this night that God brought us out with a mighty outstretched arm. And so the, there was a rehearsal always of this, at least annually for the children of Israel during the time of Passover, which was actually uh, not just one day, but it would be a, a week long thing. We just uh, passed, got uh, into what's called Purim for the, the Israelites when they were delivered uh, from the hand of uh, Haman um, whenever, uh, through Esther, that God used. And so they had this, they have these big celebrations, okay? We should have those same kinds of celebrations. It's not just like, ah, yeah, it's our anniversary, I got you a card. Or let's go out to eat. It's, all, it's so much more, it's so much vaster than that because it's a rehearsal a time for us to talk about mm -hmm. how we met, how we came together, the day of our wedding, how we've worked through things. We're going through that in, a, in, in that covenant relationship. And we do it, I mean, truthfully, we do it, often. We do it every single year at least mm -hmm. where we talk about, you know, this is the day that we met. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, this, and we talk about it here in church, too. Uh, this is the day that, you know, that I propose to you. This is the day that, and we go through that. Remember when we were writing? You say, well, Pastor, that's just silly. Why would you? Because you need to remember you made a covenant, not just a contract with this person. And you have to rehearse your covenant with them. One, because you need to do it you got to keep it in front of you. And that's what God did with the Israelites. He says, keep the covenant in front of you. A contract is an agreement between two or more parties, especially one that is written and enforceable by law. I don't know if we have any lawyers here, but, but uh, that would be a different thing than covenant. The term covenant means a coming together in the Bible. The word covenant is translated in Hebrew over 300 times. So here's the differences between a contract and a, co- a contract and a covenant. Uh, contract, I take you for me. Covenant, I give myself to you. Contract, you better do it. Covenant, how may I serve you? You want to read those? Sure. Uh, contract, what do I get? Covenant, what can I give? Contract, I'll meet you halfway. Covenant, I'll give you 100% plus. Contract, I have to. Covenant, I want to. A covenant is spiritual. A contract is natural. Now, there is contractual parts to marriage, obviously, okay? But we have to realize that there is a much greater thing going on. The threefold cord is that God is in the midst of that covenant relationship that you have. Divorce, really, and I I know these are strong statements, and, and look, I am... I am for people that have been through divorce, so don't think I'm sitting up here in judgment because I am not. But divorce is taking a covenant and making it into a contract. And we should not do that. We're taking something that is so powerful and so awesome. Now, if there's, a, if there's violation, if there's, if, if there's abuse, things of that nature, that's a whole different thing. That's not, you know, let's not go that's there not, right now. That's that's not, not, I'm, I'm mad at you, so I'm going to divorce you. Yeah. You know, you won't give me what I want, so I'm going to divorce you. That's completely different than being violated against or being abused. Right. That's completely different. And so we're not talking about that if you're in a situation or you were in a situation where there was abuse or violation of your, of your meaning that there was adultery. Let's yeah. just say it that way. There was adultery involved. Then, you know, that's completely different. Now, people have worked through adultery in abuse and stay together. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Yeah. God bless you. You know, so we're not talking, you know, there's a difference between that and then just saying, you know what, we're just not compatible. Right. I just don't, I don't like him. I just, I don't like her. I just, she doesn't, she doesn't fulfill me anymore. That's, that's, that's breaking a covenant. Yes. And moving it now into contract. Yes. That you can break, that you're now bringing a contract in to a covenant relationship, it doesn't work. Right. It doesn't work. So, you and I'll be blunt about this. So, if you're like in a thing and you're like, well, she's not giving me enough sex because that's what I want, and so I'm going to go find it somewhere else, you have minimized what God has given you to a contract. Mm-hmm. And you're yes. saying, she's not holding up her end of the contract, so I'm out. I'll find somebody that will. Let me just tell you something. You will never find someone that will. It will be a constant circle of difficulty for you. So, what you need to do is be a better husband. That's great, Pastor. Thank you for saying that. Covenant so, yeah. is an all-in commitment, no reservations. What is mine is yours, and what is yours is mine. It's protection. It's exchange of strength. 
Death is only the way to separate the covenant. Contract is broken by agreement of parties when two people just agree. And they, you know, what do they call that today? Um, yeah, well, they call right. no, it's they. Yeah, they just say, look, we, you know, we can't get along. Unrock, so, yeah, irreconcilable differences. So here's some practical steps. You ready? You can write these down if you're going to write down. To keep the flames going. One, I brought it up already. Review the covenant that you have made. Review it. They were required. Israel was required to do it. Right. And the neat thing is, too, is that now that we're grandparents, we're reviewing it with our grandchildren. Yeah. You know, we're having them come and say, you know, Verona was up a few weeks ago and she spent the night and she always likes to read a book or she wants, now she wants me to tell her real life stories. Tell me about the day I was born. Tell me about the day that mommy was born. And when she was up this past time was tell me about how you and Papa met and got married. And so, I mean, you know, I simplify it, you know, and so I take five minutes and I tell her the story. The next night, ma'am, I'll tell me that story, to, story again about you and Papa again. You know, and so I tell, because why? Because it's a legacy that's being passed on yes, from generation to absolutely. generation to generation. I mean, I mean, I think you talked about this before. We really only know back to our grandparents, vaguely our great-grandparents. I don't know how my great-grandparents met. Right. I barely know how my grandparents met mm-hmm. on one side. And on the other side, I have no idea how they met. Now, I know how my parents met. So, yeah, so it's a legacy that we pass on. Why? Why should we do that? Well, you know, especially if you know that it's a God thing. Yes. Listen, this is what God did. This is how we knew it was God. Yeah. So we're passing on not just the, the marriage covenant, we're passing on a God covenant also. Right, and so that's very powerful, Sharon. And, and we don't need our great-grandchildren to remember our name. That's not really that important unless we're living still. But <laughs> what, what we need them to know is how we lived. That's what you want them to remember is how and that is the legacy that we passed into our, passing into our kids and that we want to see passed into our grandchildren. So review the covenant. Number two, always have a date night. Always, 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 always. I don't care if you've got kids, whatever, have a date night. Figure out a way that you can. And it doesn't, you don't have to spend money. You could just go to the park and hold hands. We always tell couples when you have date night, you can't talk about kids, money, in-laws. You can't. T- yeah. No, we talk about sex. Come on. Uh, it might end up there, but yeah. you don't have to talk about it. Yeah, but what are you saying? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Date, date, but you know, and you that's, have something, a date that's something that you have to fight for. I mean, we set a date night, and I'll tell you what, something will come up, somebody will call, something will come up, you know, something, somebody will say, hey, I need you. Yes. Well, no, my husband needs me right now. We're right. going on a date, you right. know. So it's something that you have to really fight for all the time. Disconnect your phone. Yes. Leave it at home. Yeah. Unless you have kids, you know, and you're going on a date out away from them, then that's different. Couples but. tell us uh, when we say do it, have a date night, you can't talk. The first question always is, well, what do we talk about? I said, well, what did you used to talk about before you became married? Oh, whatever she wanted to talk yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> and you, like, looked in each other's eyes, and you held hands, and you smooched, and all the other, you know, you talked about stuff. You talked about how beautiful she was. 
hey, you ought to be telling your wife how beautiful she is. She still is to you and how important she is. And same thing back to husbands. And so, you know, fill their love bank up. And so date night is a real key thing to do that, especially in our busy society. And then the last one, um, just as a practical thing to keep flames going. And I, be, I believe in this too. Be proactive. Don't wait until you need help. If you're in a problem, man, get help now. Don't wait. Because a lot of times we think, well, it'll get better. Well, it won't get better if you don't do anything any different than what you're doing. It'll stay the same. And so if you want things to get better in the relationship, sometimes you have to bring in a third party that can help out. That, and I'm not, not talking about one of your best friends. Let me tell you, Sharon and I never talk bad about each other to anybody. Now, I might tease her publicly about something, but, but we never, oh my gosh, I never go around saying stuff like, yeah, I got to go home to the old ball and chain, you know, kind of thing. No, man, I, I, I totally respect this woman, and I make sure that I respect her in front of my friends. I have friends that aren't Sharon's friends. I am not one of Sharon's girlfriends. <laughs> I don't want to be one of her girlfriends. So, and true story, true story. We came, we just came through Valentine's Day, and and you know, so years ago, I was all about you know making Valentine's Day really special, and I created this whole atmosphere, and it was a great Valentine's Day. The next year, I thought, okay, how do I top that? You know, I thought, okay, we'll do a spa day at home. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had face mask. I had a foot tub. I had. I had all this wonderful stuff to do, and he hated it. He's like, you know, later on he was like, Sharon, please, let's don't ever do that again. I am not one of your girlfriends that I want to go get my nails done, my feet rubbed, you know, my face scrubbed and all that stuff. So, so I learned a lesson, you know. That's not what I buy him at Christmas time is face scrubs. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so... <laughs> but look, if you get into, if you get, if you're, if you're having difficulty and you need help, get help. We have staff here that can help, that can talk to you, that can sit down with you. Uh, you know, sometimes fixing things, I remember years ago I, when Sharon and I first got married, you know, we, we didn't really know each other that well. We're on the Mexican border. We have our, you know, the church services are in Spanish. We're, I mean, it was really tough, and Sharon and I were fussing over something. I can't remember what it was, but anyways, um, it was an interesting thing. I went down to the school where I taught at, and uh, John was there. John Peel was there, and I said, John, you know, um, I love my wife, but we're having disagreements over stuff, and, and he just basically, he gave me a piece of advice to help me, and I didn't, like, need 10 therapy sessions, okay, a lot of times you don't need all that therapy. A lot of it is just that if you're open and you're willing to learn, you listen to what they say and then go do it. So I needed advice. He gave it to me, and it really did help a lot, and I immediately could put it into practice right away. And, uh, you know, I think that you get help, though. You don't just try to deal with stuff on your own and go, well, well it'll all work out or it will all get better. Marriage is about having difficult conversations sometimes, and uh, we've had plenty of them. Um, I always hate it when Sharon says, I need to make an appointment with you and to talk about something. And, and, I'm, and she has done that. And I'm like, well, tell me what it is. No, I'll tell you when we get together. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've done it now. So, 
But we have those difficult conversations, but always out of it because, and we'll stop with this, because we're not in a contract, we're in a covenant, we know that no matter how hard it gets, we'll get through it, and we're going to come out on the other side better. Stand up with me if you would. Thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that, uh, Lord, you didn't make a contract with us. You made a covenant with us. That, Lord, you're our God, and you're in this. You're all into this. You are 100% into this. And, Lord, we are, I know we don't always hold up to our end of the bargain. Lord, that we're not always 100% in, that sometimes we're, questioning you and talking about how you've let us down or you've disappointed us or we're frustrated with you, but you're 100% in this. Lord, please, um, as we come before you this morning, forgive us, Lord God, when we've allowed our hearts to become filled with things that should not be there. Anger and disappointment and frustration. We should be filled with peace and joy and love, as your word says. And so, Lord, as we come before you this morning, we also recognize in a marriage relationship, a covenant between two people, Lord God, that it's, that, that Lord, it's about having joy and it's about having peace and it's about enjoying the fullness of who your spirit is, Lord God. That's the kingdom. You said it. And so, Father God, in the midst of all of that, Lord God, we take just a moment and look at our own hearts. We stop looking, Lord God, at the one we stand beside or the one that made the covenant with us, and we look at our heart. We say, Lord God, search me, show me, help me. And Lord, I thank you, Father God, I thank you today. That as we reach our hearts out to you say, and say, search me, God, that you always do. And that you show us, Lord, where we can grow, where we can become stronger, Lord God. Lord, I pray that uh, in the marriage relationships, Lord God, in this church especially, that they become supernaturally strong that they can weather through any storm because they're not a two-chord relationship, they're a three-chord relationship. And I thank you for that, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Uh, I'm going to let Chuck come up in just a minute, but I'm going to ask our, those who are here to uh, our prayer team, if you guys would come up right now, if you would be willing to. Amen. And uh, Chuck, here's that mic. If you're part of our prayer team, come on up. I, uh, I, had in my, I had in my heart as we were praying that you might have a family member or a friend whose marriage is in trouble right now. And uh, I believe in the power of prayer. You know, we don't just have these guys up here for the heck of it. They're up here because we, we, this church believes in prayer. We believe that God answers prayer. We believe that all things are possible to those who will believe. And uh, if you have a, a, a relative or maybe your children or, um, you know, just a, a friend that's 
their marriage is in a bad spot right now and you'd like prayer for that, I'm going to, in a minute, when Chuck gives the call, I'm going to ask you if you would come up and allow one of these folks to pray with you um, because I just believe that there's breakthrough. I think whenever we respond to what God is telling us in that moment, that there's an instantaneous breakthrough available for us in that moment. Go ahead, Chuck. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Sharon. That was awesome. Yeah, thank you. We need that. Uh, just a reminder, gentlemen, uh, as the Lord laid on my heart, that uh, it wasn't good that man was alone. Uh, he said he'd bring a help meet for, for Adam. And uh, that word translates down to the one who brings the glory. So realize that you as a team, husband and wife in that covenant, uh, the glory of the Lord is is produced and it's present there. But without her, sorry guys, but that's how you need to be as, as gentlemen treating your wife, the one who brings the glory. If you're here and you want prayer for your marriage, if you're here and you want to come and, and stand in the gap for somebody whose marriage is, is struggling or has difficulty, we invite you to come up now. Uh, if you want prayer for sickness, for your body, for anything uh, that you're dealing with,